Penguins need to figure a few things out between now and the start of next season. And doing that will dictate whatever roster changes Jim Rutherford decides to make. The Penguins got to stay fast and maintain their identity. That's priority number one. I hesitate to talk about line combinations because Mike Sullivan switches them up too much, so much rather, and in great effect, he knows when to do it and what to do. But the Penguins need to settle more or less on who's going to play right wing most of the time with Sid and Jake. I like Hornquist, but Sid does it, not beyond small doses, not five on five. If you play Gino and Phil together, you need the ideal left wing, a guy who really fits because without the puck, a line with Gino and Phil has some deficiencies. You've got to find good spots for Sprong, Aston Reese, and Simone. A good spot for Simone would be Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And you can't make knee-jerk trades to that end or to any end. People talk about Sullivan and Kessel not getting along. That's not a good enough reason to trade Kessel. And it wasn't a good enough reason to trade Ian Cole. Although I like that trade and still do. Some of you idiots still want to trade Latang, And that's moronic on so many levels. You need a number one defenseman and Tanger is going to bounce back. The point being... A little in-house friction doesn't mandate a trade. One bad season doesn't mandate a trade. you got to think things through, and Jim Rutherford will. Sick Again, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. By the way, Jake Gensel has reached Pele status with me, and I think with Penguin fans, uh, like Sid and Gino. It's not Crosby and Malkin, it's Sid and Gino, and I just call Jake Gensel Jake at this point. Well, we can't get hold of Yo either. Security issues at the airport. You know what I'm going to do one week this summer? Have a no-guest week. We've got to punish the guest for not coming on. They think they're doing me a favor, they're not. No offense to Yoey and Stag, but if you say you're going to be on, you should be on. And I guess Josh has security issues at the airport. And he is on the TSA list of people to watch. I, I, I know that for sure. But, you know, just if you say you're going to be on, be on. FFS. It just makes this show so friggin' difficult to do. And this shouldn't be difficult. I make it far more difficult than it should be. But it's not supposed to be difficult. In fact, most people just do it off the top of their heads with minimal preparation. If I work with a partner, that'll be when you know I've given up. Or rather chosen to take the easy route because I intend to milk the paycheck as long as I can. But if you do a show with somebody else, like for an average show I have, and I know you don't care about this, but my secret weapon is I don't care that you don't care about this. Huh? Huh? Gotcha. I have like seven or eight pages of notes. Print out notes for a single show. If I worked with a partner, I could have half a page. Just hear the topics, let's talk about them. And bond stuff off each other. Wouldn't be as informative, wouldn't be as funny, but it would be a lot easier. Anyway. I do wish we could debate Messi and Ronaldo. And I do wish we could debate Messi now being just about out of the World Cup in the group stage. Argentina underachieving again. What's that do to his legacy, and is that fair 
to Lionel Messi. One thing about Lionel Messi, when things go bad, he gets worse. Guys like Ronaldo, for that matter, guys I love like Luis Suarez and uh, Mo Salah, when things get tough for them, they dig down deep, and they might still lose, but they give it a billion percent. Like, Egypt lost 3-1 the other day, but Salah got a late goal on a penalty and, and just played really well the whole game. Messi today, once they were down, even 1-0 in the second half, he just disappeared. Let's go now to a proud son of Iran. They're doing well in the World Cup. He is the Egyptian magician. Bob, hello, my friend. How are you? Ah! <laughs> Hi, Mark. How are you? How about those Iranians? Well, I tell you what. The first half against uh, Spain, uh, they, they come in and they just, uh, you know, just defense. And I'm like, you can't give Spain that much position because they are a position team anyway. And uh, we saw what they could do in the second half. And they, you know, they scored. Bob, Bob let me interrupt you because nobody cares. I was just trying to okay. make conversation, but they're okay. one and one, and I think I think to ask for more than that would probably be unrealistic. If you get a result against Portugal, maybe you get through. Anyway, you want to talk Penguins? Well, uh, as far as the Penguins, look, uh, Castle was invisible. Okay, uh, we didn't get anything from Bizarre. Tanger made a lot of big giants. You're, you're talking about in the playoffs, correct? The end of the series against Capital. Right, okay? go ahead. We still had them down 3-2, third period, game five, and we win. if we win that period, we'll win against Capitals. And Capitals won the whole thing. So when I'm looking at Penguins right now, I really don't know if I want to go ahead and make, I have to do, to, yeah, good defense, one solid defense, defender, uh, yeah. But Bob, I agree. Thing. I don't think the team needs a major shakeup by any means. The, the one thing I will allow, I don't think Broussard's a good fit. I, I think he's a top six, and he didn't adjust well to being in a bottom six role. And I know they like to pretend that, you know, all the lines are counted upon to score, but by the end of the playoffs, whether due to injury or not, Broussard was on the fourth line. And if he was so injured that he dropped that far down the depth chart, then he probably shouldn't have been in the lineup at all. I suspect he was only marginally injured, and they just put him on the fourth line because they thought he sucked. It just, Bassard never gelled with Penguins. I don't know if he stays with us, he's going to gel. He's a good player, but he uh, it just did not gel with Penguins. He had too much respect for Crosby and Malkin as if, well, no, he, he, never, he never played with them, but, but I thought that when he played with Kessel, he tried too hard to get him the puck instead of just playing his own game. Right. But the, Peng, the Penguins are an intimidating team to join. If you look back at 13, again, uh, uh, did fine with the Penguins. He was just played out of position and not with Sid like he had been promised. Like Brendan Morrow and Doug Murray, by the standard of the day, were considered good players, and they came to the Penguins – uh, for that uh, late run in the playoffs, and we're awful. It's an intimidating well, yeah. team to join. Yeah, but they, they got swept by Boston. One, one last thing about Massey and Ronaldo. What I've seen so far, I saw Ronaldo 
been prepared. He prepared his body and everything, and he is putting it up. He is in the defensive line, and then he runs like a, you know, the racehorse all the way down. But Massey, he just walks around. I don't understand what's going on with him. He, who he thinks he is. He needs to still put up. Otherwise, I, I think the problem with Messi is there's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of pressure on Argentina. They're constantly in the shadow of Maradona, and he won't go away. And I don't think that helps at this point. And I don't think he can handle the pressure, Bob. Pure and simple, I don't think Messi can handle the pressure, especially not the pressure of a World Cup where you know Argentina hasn't won or even come close since Maradona. Let's go to Timmy in Polish Hill. Timmy, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, is uh, Tristan Jari a viable trade piece at all this offseason? Uh, put it this way, if you were an opposing team, would you want the guy that couldn't beat out Casey DeSmith for the number two job? I mean, you hear so much, you know, you, you like the bash. Well, I mean, certain people like the bash fires for their misfits on prospects, but you kind of heard the biscuit rumbling that this kid was the second, you know, coming of. No, no, uh, nobody ever said he was the second coming of anything. He was a second-round draft pick. If he was the second coming of anything, he would have been a first-round draft pick. And please don't compare the job the Penguins do drafting and developing to the Pirates. Don't compare well, the Penguins to the Pirates in any friggin' way. Well, I'll be honest with you. Actually, it's funny you said that because if the... Well, you can be as honest as you want, but what you're saying is pure lunacy. You make yourself Pirates, sound... Stu- well, okay, go ahead. Tell me how the Penguins and Pirates are similar. Go ahead, Einstein. You tell us all that. Okay, Einstein. If the Pirates would have won the lottery as the Penguins did, they would have got Bryce Harper. But they didn't. If the Penguins would have got the, I mean, that yeah yeah dude yeah dude yeah dude. There's no other than Crosby and Malkin. They really didn't develop. Much. Go Bucks, beat them Bucks. I hate the Pirates. I hate you too. Yeah, you know what? I'd kick your ass. <laughs> you really would. Oh, I'd kick your ass. I'd hit you so hard your girlfriend would be pregnant. Thank you for the call. Four one. I'm still undefeated. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. I don't know if we're ever going to have any guests on again. Who knows when they'll show up? Maybe Yoey next segment. Maybe not. One zero five nine the X. I just realized because I watched the World Cup games here in the studio. Every day this week, the World Cup has gone right to Jerry Springer at the conclusion of the World Cup games. So I just Googled Jerry Springer. Did you know that show has been on the air for 29 years? Obviously, that being the case, it's been very successful. But how has that bag of excrement show survived 29 years? That says as much about the decline of America as anything you can think of. We've been talking about potential Penguins trades that might be made at the NHL draft. Don't forget the first round is tomorrow night. The Penguins don't have a choice, although I've heard Rutherford wants to trade up to get a first-round pick. I just don't think he'll sacrifice what would be necessary off the current roster to do that. I've also concluded the most likely Penguin to be traded is Derek Broussard because he's not a fit. He's not a third-line center. He didn't play well in his tenure after being acquired in that big three-way deal from Columbus. And just uh, just is going to move on. I think for his sake, for the Penguins' sake, and maybe Shane can be the third-line center, maybe not. 
If they use Shea and Purley as a checker on the third line and don't put Kessel there, put Kessel with Malkin, then yes, I feel like Shea can do that job. But this is where you'll see if Jim Rutherford has an ego. And I don't think he does. I think Jim judges himself by how often the team wins and not by whether he quote-unquote wins individual trades or not. Because I figure the return for Broussard would be a solid number five defenseman, like a 4-5 guy, somewhere in there, and maybe a depth wing also, maybe like a third-round pick instead of the depth wing, but I think that's what you get in exchange for Derek Broussard. Now, keep in mind, to get Derek Broussard, he gave up Ian Cole, he gave up a top goaltending prospect in Philip Gustafson, he gave up Ryan Reeves, he gave up a first, a third, and a fourth-round pick. The Penguins did get a third-round pick back, and they got a, a prospect, that, that forward who just re-signed the other day as an RFA, Tobias Lindbergh. And the Vegas Gold Knights also picked up 40% of Derek Broussard's salary uh, for this, the final year of his contract coming up, which which will make Broussard easier to trade, no question. The Vegas Golden Knights, they laundered money for the Penguins. But if that's all you get, a 4-5 a defenseman in a depth wing or a thir- in a third-round draft pick, not not both. I think you'll get a number 4-5 or five defenseman in either a depth wing or a third-round pick. Consider what you gave up to get Broussard. Jim will have decisively lost that deal. But again, you can't have an ego about that, especially when you make as many deals as Jim does. I I can't compare the amount of trades he's made to, like, say, Ray Shiro or Craig Patrick, but he seems to make a lot. If I had to guess, he's made more in his tenure per year than those two other GMs did in theirs. Although, you know, Ray Shiro in 13 made like a 1,000 trades at the deadline. Craig Patrick always made the, 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 the deadline day stunner, so... I don't know, maybe it's not as many as I think, but uh, when Jim trades Broussard, you'll be able to look at the trade he made to get Broussard, and you could say he lost it, and decisively. Especially given that the Penguins did not go as far as they'd hoped to. Then again, they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. I'm getting all these tweets. Instead of reading the tweets, let me just sum up what, what they are saying. They are suggesting that Rutherford at the draft that starts tomorrow night, they want Jim to trade all the Penguins' bad players for all of their good players. Let's hope that can happen. Uh, I posted on my blog page today uh, an article I wrote on this day 15 years ago. The headline is, it's in the Post-Gazette, when they had good columnists. Actually, their columnists are fine, Gene and Ron. But the headline is, Madden, Penguins should take the goalie. And that turned out to be good advice. I urged the Penguins to trade up to get the first pick in that year's NHL draft to take Marc-Andre Fleury. And the Penguins did that, that day, and drafted Fleury that night. They sent the third choice overall, a second-round pick, and Mikel Samuelson, a forward, to Florida for the first pick overall in a third-round choice. And... Marc-Andre Fleury 
was just as big a component during his tenure as Crosby and Malkin. Drafting Flurry is where the Penguins renaissance undoubtedly started. I was trying to think of pirate topics to talk about, and this show has been almost all hockey, offseason, trades, draft, etc., awards. And uh, what's there to talk about with the Pirates? They're a 500 team. They're treading sewage. They're going to get rid of players at the deadline and make themselves worse instead of better. What's happening was and is moving forward as well, just so predictable. And I don't sense any energy or electricity in discussing baseball. Let's go to Virgil in the Hill District. Virgil, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Don't you think them not winning a Stanley Cup would have always indicated that Jim lost that deal no. in the Broussard trade? No, okay. I, I just think the fact that Broussard was on the fourth line by the end of the playoffs indicates that, that Jim lost the trade. And once he gets traded uh, this offseason, which I think he will, that kind of confirms it. Or at least that Jim was dissatisfied with the trade. But we can't ignore that Jim gave up an awful lot to get the guy. But, you know, that's okay. Rutherford's made a lot of trades. Most have worked out. He's won two championships. It doesn't always work out the way you hope it will. No, and I don't know if they've announced it yet or they're going to do it tomorrow. How much did the cap go up? Two or four million? Have they announced that yet? It went up almost five million. Okay, so I mean, maybe you aren't this school of thought, and you just think the money can be used better. I'd ride them out for a month, a month and a half. And I'm not and discounting then... that possibility, Virgil. Okay, because now here's the thing. I don't think historically, and, and maybe I'm wrong, you're a better Penns historian than me, but I don't think this team does real well with the acquiring of someone who's supposed to be that vital or that important as a third or fourth line center. But, you know, I just, I'd like to see him, if he was hurt, I'd like to see him healthy and as the third line well, center. You know, what, you know what's weird? Derek Broussard, and I've said this repeatedly, Derek Broussard's not a third line center. The best third line centers are actual third line centers. And he's not at the point in his career where he probably wants to sacrifice the way he plays. Then again, they put him with Kessel. I, I don't know. It's just not a good fit for whatever reason. I'm confusing myself trying to figure out why it wasn't a good fit because in some respects, if you're going to play him with Kessel, it should have been an acceptable fit. Then again, by the end of the playoffs, he was a fourth liner, which I thought was ludicrous too. I would have never put him on the depth chart below Shane, even injured. He'd have to lose a leg, Broussard would, for me to put him on the depth chart below uh, Riley Shan. No, and you and you always talk about it. I mean, in the years they didn't win in the playoffs, it's because the Stars didn't always produce or they weren't always healthy. So I know you want third-line scoring, and that HBK line was a total anomaly, and that's never going to happen again. To try and recreate that is just false hope, because like you say, third and fourth-line centers are there for a reason, and to try and – and get third-line scoring that was that historic isn't going to happen. So why, why chase the, the uniform? <laughs> you you know? say historic, I say fluky. But, <laughs> but, but, but I, I guess really when you look at the success of that HBK line, uh, they're one and the same. I was going to say that uh, before we let Virgil go, it, it is tough for a top-six center to, to drop down and be a bottom-six center at Broussard's age at the point of Broussard's career where he probably still feels, okay, this is the way I play, and I play like a top six. But look at Brian Trottier when he came to Pittsburgh. He was one of the best centers in hockey for over a decade, but it was winding down, and he was a smart player in the first place, and he came to Pittsburgh and didn't overhaul his game. 
but just changed it a little bit for his role and emphasized things that Brian Trottier was always good at, like face-offs and defense and physical borderline dirty play, and just made himself into what the Penguins needed. But then again, I'm not going to compare Derek Broussard in any way, shape, or form to the great Brian Trottier, as I've so often said. Trotz and Mario made the Hall of Fame the same year, and I wrote a column for the lamented and defunct Penguins report at the time, and it said, give me Lemieux and Trottier in their prime. You could take any other two centers ever in their prime, and that includes Gretzky and Messier. Give me Trotz and Mario, and I will beat your brains out. Josh Joey up next, we think, 105.9 X. Joining me now from Dallas, where he's covering the NHL draft for the Athletic, we welcome Josh Joey. Josh, before we get to Penguins talk, uh, what's your take on the NHL awards that were handed out last night in Vegas? Uh, Taylor Hall is MVP. Did any of those awards strike you as anything other than you expected? Uh, not really, Mark. I, I actually voted for Nathan McKinnon, but I, I didn't have a problem with Taylor Hall winning. It, it was not a great crop of MVP candidates this year. There were probably seven or eight guys you could have made an argument for, but I don't think there was one real obvious candidate. Um, McKinnon, to me, was just so dominant every time I saw him play. And Colorado was the worst team in the league last year, so to me, he was the guy. But I, I didn't really have a problem with Paul winning it. He, he certainly did have a great second half to help the Devils into the playoffs. Barry Trotz was confirmed today as New York Islanders coach. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but but I still don't think that's going to keep John Tavares there. What do you think, and what do you hear? Yeah, I mean, from everything I've heard, Tavares really doesn't know what he's going to do yet and hasn't made up his mind, certainly hasn't told the Islanders anything. I, I, I don't blame Lou Lamarillo for wanting to bring in Trotz. I mean, the Islanders are such of a dysfunctional franchise. Trotz, if nothing less, is consistently good. Uh, yeah, he's had a lot of playoff issues over the years until this year, but to be consistently good in a playoff team would be a step in the right direction for the Islanders. So I guess from that standpoint, Trotz makes sense. And players do like playing for him. So I guess they can sell Tavares on that, but I'd still be a little bit surprised if he were to stay. There's a lot of teams out there that will want him, and frankly, a lot more attractive markets than Brooklyn. Let's talk Penguins, Josh. What's your take on the potential signing of Jack Johnson, the free agent defenseman from Columbus? Well, it's all about the money. I mean, I, I think it was Bob McKenzie that said Jack Johnson wanted $6 million a year. No uh, way. I, I'd yeah, give him half cool. that, not much more. Right. I mean, I think Jack is a really good number five defenseman. I think that's just what he is. And he would make sense for the Penguins when you think about it. You know what the top four is for the Penguins already? It's Dumoulin, Motang, Schultz, and Mata, as it should be. Um, so you look at that last pairing, you know Jamie Alexiak is on it. And the thing we learned about Alexiak, I think he's better on the right side than he is the left side. And Jack plays the left side, so from that standpoint, those two actually might make a lot of sense. Of course, Jack is really close with Sidney Crosby, as I'm sure people know. Not that that really should matter, but I can tell you he's a great guy, a great locker room guy. Everybody likes him. I think for the right price, he makes a lot of sense, but I wouldn't throw huge money at him either. Grabner's out there in free agency. Is he affordable? And wouldn't that be a way for the Penguins to replenish their speed, which is their bread and butter? Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact they were interested in him at the deadline, but they just felt like they needed a center even more, so they, they focused more on Derek Broussard. But when you think about guys around the league who would fit in with what the Penguins do, my gosh, I can't think of anyone better than Michael Grabner. He, he's still one of the five fastest guys in hockey. 
He'll score you 20 plus goals. He's a very good penalty killer. And they kind of need a left wing, Mark. And he plays the left side, and they're so stacked on the right side. But the left wing, other than Gensel, there's not a whole lot of offense there. He would be perfect, but I'm very interested to see what his market value will be. And I think as things currently stand, I don't think they could afford him. I think they would need to unload a Hunwork or a Sherry to make that even possible. Who is the most likely Penguin to get traded uh, in the near future? Give me a top three. Um, boy, I think Connor Sherry's probably the most likely. It's not that he doesn't produce, but I don't think he's a $3 million a year player, and that would really free up some money. I think I'd probably go him number one and Matt Hunwick number two for very similar reasons. Hunwick was a disappointment. It could really help them clear some salary cap space. Those, to me, are the top two. Um, as for number three, maybe Brian Rust. I know he was made available to the Coyotes before uh, Domi was traded, so he's a guy they're willing to trade, even though I don't know that they want to trade him. Well, I agree with Sherry and Hunwick, but I think Broussard's going to get traded, uh, and I might put him number one on the list. I think that he's just not the right fit. I, I think the only thing that would hold Jim back, and, and Jim doesn't have ego, but the return he'd get for Broussard would probably make the deal he made to get Broussard into just a big loss. Oh, there's no question. I mean, yes, Broussard did have a groin injury. I think that's legitimate, but he did not fit in. He clearly, to me, is a lower-tier top-six center who was forced into the third-line center role and, frankly, wasn't all that effective in it. Um, there has been a lot of talk out of Montreal that the Canadians are interested in him. They are very weak down the middle right now. They need a center badly. Um, yeah, Jim would trade him for the right price. I don't think he's going to trade Broussard just for the sake of trading him, but I hardly think he's untouchable. And if the Penguins would get a, a winger who can score in return, yeah, I think they would do it because I do think they're fairly comfortable with Riley Shane as their third-line center, at least for now. And they can always go out and get another center if they want. Well, what return do you think potentially they could get for Broussard? I don't know about a winger that could score, Josh. I kind of put the price at a number four or five defenseman plus a second or third-round pick or maybe a, a decent wing. Yeah, that would be fine. I mean, they would like, ideally, to get one more defenseman. I, I think the plan for Jim, he would like to unload Matt Hunwick. He wants Chad Ruedel to be the number seven defenseman. And, and Ruedel's defense, he's a good seven defenseman, but that's what he is. And they would love to have one more bottom-pairing defenseman to play with Alexiak. And if they could get that in a trade, you know, for Broussard, would they consider it? I guess they would. Um, I don't know, though. I'm curious. I still think there's a feeling in the Penguins organization that they would like to see Broussard play for an entire season, get comfortable, and see how things go. But, like I said, he's not untouchable, and he did not play great for the Penguins in the playoffs. There's no question in that. Well, he only has one year left on his deal, too, so by the time he gets comfortable, it might be time for him to go and for nothing. We're talking to Josh Owey of TheAthletic.com. Uh, he's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Um, you know what kind of gets ignored when we talk about potential deals for Rutherford to make? The Penguins have so many players that just aren't going to get traded. So the options Jim has to offer around are more limited than they might be for some GMs. No, that's right. And I, I'm not expecting Jim to make some kind of a blockbuster this summer. I know, you know, we've talked a lot about Phil Kessel, and, and I'm sure you'll hear Latang's name pop up. But I think Jim very much feels that the Penguins are better with those two guys. And unless somebody blows them away with the deal, that's not going to happen. The, the Penguins just want to add a couple of complimentary players. And it's easier to do that in a trade than it is in free agency simply because I think history shows that 
spending a lot of money in free agency doesn't really work, quite frankly, and the Penguins don't have a lot of cap space, so it's easier for them to trade someone who makes money in return for someone who makes money. Is there any way Mata gets traded? I don't think so, but they might sign Johnson. I think they overrate Alexiak. I think they might think he could be a top four, and certainly Mata would be in demand if he were at all available. Well, if they want to trade somebody and get a huge return, only Mata would certainly be a guy who could do that. He's a very accomplished 23-year-old defenseman. Um, I guess it's possible, but I think that's unlikely. Just in conversations I've had with Jim Rutherford, um, he really thinks the world of Ole, and he is so comfortable with Brian Dumoulin and Ole Mata being just a couple of anchors on that blue line for the next five years, just being the top two guys on the left side. Um, guys like that in their 20s are not easy to come by. Yes, they could get a huge return for them, but I don't think it will happen. And Ole had a really good year last year. He was finally healthy. Um, and you, you can see the difference it made in his play, and I still think they feel like there's more of a ceiling for him. So, it, yeah, it's possible, but I, I don't see them really moving anyone on the blue line other than Hunwick. The salary cap increased by $5 million, uh, give or take, Josh. What does that help the Penguins do? I mean, it doesn't. It's about what they expected, put it that way. Uh, what it means is they can sign all of their restricted free agents if they so desire, and they're going to sign Shea and Russ and Alexiak. There's no question about that. Uh, Simone and Kunakel, maybe. Um, they're not really enamored with Kunakel. Uh, Simone, for whatever reason, they do appear to be a little enamored with. So, I mean, there's a chance they both come back. But it, it comfortably allows them to sign their restricted free agents. And when they do that, they'll probably have maybe a couple of million in cap space, not much more than that, which is why if they don't trade someone, they really can't make any kind of a splash in free agency at all. The Penguins' first pick in this draft is 53rd overall. Uh, that's the best athlete available type of slot, obviously. Would Jim like to trade up? If so, how far up? What might he be willing to sacrifice to trade up? Uh, he'll consider it. I mean, I've talked to him about that. He said he'll always consider trading up. If there's a, you know, if there's a guy they have ranked in the top 20 and he's still available at 40, will they trade up 10 spots? Sure, they'll consider something like that. I wouldn't expect it, however. It very much is a situation where you take the best player available. But I can tell you they'd probably love to get some more defensemen. They started to do that last season with a couple of draft picks. But, boy, there once was a time when they had all the young defensemen with Dumoulin and Pouliot and Morrow and Botta. Some of those guys worked out. Some of them didn't. But um, the well has run a little dry of defense prospects in the organization. So I think they would really like to add a couple for down the road if they could. Uh, Josh, you know you weren't going to get away without talking about Phil Kessel. Uh, the Penguins shopped Kessel a little, but that seems to have stopped, hasn't it? Uh, it's just too hard to replace 92 points. Yeah, you know, from what I've been told, and I know you've talked about this a lot this week, uh, Kessel's okay with being traded. He's not demanding a trade. I, I don't think he really cares. That's just kind of how Phil is. You I know? think he would like yeah. to be traded. I, that's the way I've had it put to me uh, often by some inside people. Yeah, no, I've heard that too. I think he's certainly tired of playing for Mike Sullivan. There is there is something of a rift there. There's no question about that. Nor do I, but I don't think Phil's going to be upset if he's still a Penguin in October either. I, I just think he shows up in October and plays hockey, and whoever he's playing for, I don't think he lets it affect his sleep patterns all that much. But I, I really don't think he's going to be traded this summer. And to me, the biggest reason, I don't think Jim Rutherford wants to trade him. I just, you know, when you're a GM, you don't want to make trades. You know, you're going to lose. And that's a really hard And not only that, you can't make a trade just when there's a little turmoil between the coach and player. If, if, 
If teams did that every time it happened, <laughs> there'd be 15 trades per team per season. That's right. That stuff happens so much more than people realize. I mean, listen, I know for a fact Sidney Crosby and Mike Sullivan don't always agree about who Sid's line mates are. It doesn't mean you're going to trade Sidney Crosby. Um, so, listen, Phil's not untouchable. If somebody blew them away with an offer, sure, they'd consider it. And I know for a fact they've heard from teams about Phil Kessel. I know the Los Angeles Kings were a team that was interested for sure. But I don't really think it's going to happen because the Penguins are in the business of winning Stanley Cups right now. And Phil Kessel's going to help them do that more than any return possibly could. I think that Phil needs to lighten up and appreciate what the Penguins have done for him instead of being unhappy all the time. He got 92 points, Josh. I think the coaches probably deployed him in relatively effective fashion for him to have a career high. Why is he always so unhappy? I just think it's his personality. He's one of the grumpiest people I've ever been around. I don't dislike him. I'm actually kind of amused by him. But for a guy I mean, who He's a cartoon character. He is. I mean, for a guy who plays hockey for a living and who makes $8 million a year, I don't think I've ever seen him smile. I, I, I think, you know, Phil's life is pretty good. Um, and I will say his teammates love him. They get a kick out of the whole grumpy nature that he exudes. But, um, yeah, you would like to just say, Phil, lighten up a little bit. What are you so upset about? Like, life isn't so bad. But, uh, it's, you know, it's just his personality. And, uh, and listen, he, he doesn't care for Mike Sullivan so much, I don't think. But I bet you he didn't care for Randy Carlisle or any other coach he's played for either. That's oh, I think if he played for Tockett, his buddy in Arizona, he'd hate Tockett inside of two weeks. Probably. I mean, I know those two have a good relationship, but you know, Rick was the assistant coach in Pittsburgh. It's a little different when you're the head coach. There's different responsibilities, different way you have to treat people. And, yeah, Phil doesn't like authority, and that's exactly why fans love him, because he's so anti-authority. But it's exactly why coaches understandably don't like him. I've been saying, I think it's time to take the kid gloves off with Phil as far as the whole organization's concerned. If it wasn't for the Penguins, Phil would still be the fat guy who eats too many hot dogs. That's what he was before he got here, Josh, and Pittsburgh made him every bit as much as he helped Pittsburgh. You're right about that. The Penguins organization went out of its way to give him glowing uh, remarks every chance they got after he was acquired. The, the, the whole selling of the Phil narrative was was very much prominent uh, in the Penguins organization. Hey, he's a good guy. Hey, Toronto portrayed him in a negative light. I'm not saying that's not true. Uh, I don't think Phil's a bad guy at all. But, yeah, the Penguins have been extraordinarily good to him. That's in Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, I I just, okay, so maybe Mike Sullivan yells at him sometimes, or maybe Mike Sullivan doesn't always let him play with Geno like he wants to. But I I just, you know, I I don't think he has anything to be too upset about. Funny you mentioned that, Josh. Uh, Phil wants to play on the line with Gino, and he tells everybody who will listen that. Has anybody asked Gino who he wants to play with? Uh, I think Gino likes playing with Phil, but I, I don't you think sure? Gino's one to really. I, I haven't heard otherwise. I, I don't think Gino particularly cares who he plays with. I know Mike Sullivan prefers Gino and Phil apart, that's for sure. I know if Phil wants to play with Gino. I, I don't know. I, I well, don't now, on the Gino's other side of that coin, Josh. I think Mike Sullivan has to understand that HBK in 16 was a fluke, and you can't manufacture balance artificially just by dividing up your three best players. No, I completely agree. A lot of things had to happen that year. And remember, he was playing with Benino and Hagelin, two guys who were great second-half players and who aren't very good in the first half, and that was all part of the magic of that line, no question. Um, I don't mind Malkin and Kessel together. Listen, they score. I kind of like them together, to be honest with you. But, um, and, uh, no, I'm actually very curious to, to ask Gino about that. I, I honestly don't know how he feels about playing with Kessel. But, uh, 
Malkin's one of those guys who make anyone with him better, and I think he knows that, so I don't think he loses any sleep over it. Josh, great stuff. Enjoy Dallas. We'll talk when you get back. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Joey. Check his work out at theathletic.com. Which penguin is most likely to be traded? Not who you want to see traded. Which penguin is most likely to be traded? Uh, Josh and I are top three. Uh, each included Sherry and Hunwick. He put Rust as the third guy in his. For me, the third man was Hulk Hogan. Uh, uh, no, wait, that's the NWO. Uh, the third man for me is Derek Broussard. What are your thoughts? 412333WXDX. Double M on the X. What do you think about the possibility of signing Jack Johnson? The Penguins are interested. What about the possibility of them signing Michael Grabner, who they looked at as a winger at the trade deadline? He went from New York to New Jersey, the Rangers to the Devils instead. But uh, what about going out and getting him now and giving the Penguins a pace car to refuel their speed? Their speed, which still is their bread and butter, but wasn't quite as fast as it was in playoffs past. Maybe that was fatigue. Maybe it was age. Maybe it's nothing to worry about. Maybe some high-octane fuel would be just the thing the Penguins need. So your thoughts on Johnson, which apparently is a legit possibility, and Michael Grabner, which I'm just putting out there because it makes sense. Uh, I think Grabner would cost more. Johnson would cost less. Is when your priority is defense your priority? Your thoughts on Johnson and Grabner. Grabner's uh, attributes speak for themselves. He's still in his prime. Jack Johnson, well, not so much. And I emphasize, if you overpay him, if you make him a top four, and or Jack Johnson stinks, it looks like you did Sid's buddy a favor. It's a, a bad look. So if you get Johnson, you better pay him what he's worth and no more. Play him where he should be and no higher on the depth chart and just hope he doesn't stink. To be honest, uh, I, I know you can't think like this if you're a GM. You get good players. But bringing in Sid's buddy, that's a bad look from the get-go unless he's real good. And I would pay him $3 million, maybe three point five, but no more than that. If I'm Jack Johnson, although every time I suggest that a free agent athlete takes less money than he could get, every time I suggest that, I immediately feel foolish because I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't give a hometown discount. I wouldn't look for other reasons to sign with a team besides money. I mean, yeah, uh, geography, the location of the city would figure in. The team's chances at a championship, or at least to compete, would figure in. But mostly I'd be just thinking about the money. But if Jack Johnson still has anything left in the tank, and I'm sure he thinks he does, whether he does or doesn't, well, we got to see. He looked terrible. Had bad numbers, two point for Columbus this past season. Got scratched for every playoff game on top of that. But if Jack Johnson came to Pittsburgh, signed a one-year deal and played great, then he could get one more big long-term deal. He's not going to get more than two years from anybody. Just isn't. Not at this point in his career. Unless he plays great next year and makes that 
his meal ticket for a multi, multi-year deal, more than two. And probably not even then. The guy's 31. You don't know what you're going to get from him from here on out, except that probably it will be worse next year than it is this year, and even worse the year after that. 412-333-9939, the number to call. This segment brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. We're going to talk more about Bob Nutting wanting money from the states via gambling revenue to help keep up PNC Park. That's amazing. That story, that letter, I saw it, I read it yesterday. It is absolutely amazing. All the guy ever wants is more. We'll get to that just around the corner. I still think it's hilarious. Like I said, it, the show's open. It's hilarious that the Pirates had that crap lineup with Osuna and Freese and Sean Rodriguez in it yesterday. And it rained and rained and rained and rained and even flooded the tunnel to the dugouts at PNC Park. I said at the top of the show, that's Joe DiNardo looking at that pirate lineup with those three bums and especially Slowpoke Rodriguez in there and saying, you know what, not on my watch. He spared the paying customers that atrocity of a lineup. Joe DiNardo looking out for Pittsburgh, even from heaven above, after being buried, uh, laid to rest yesterday. Let's go with John in the car. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, question. Um, Hornquist would have been an unrestricted free agent at the end, you know, right now. Yes. July 1st. Um, do you think the Penguins would have been better off letting him go and then going out and signing Grabner? Having no, Grabner no, 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 no. Hornquist is the heartbeat of that power play, and they don't have enough players like him. Why would you get rid of the best of the bunch? You know, that, that gritty type player, Don Lowe. There's yeah. some things about Patrick that Sid doesn't like playing with him because he doesn't have that touch through the neutral zone or that speed, but the Penguins need him very, very badly. I find myself wondering what Grabner's going to want in free agency. He only made $1.65 million last year. What's he going to get now in free agency when he's going to be, you know, fairly in demand? I don't know. Oh, no, wait, he made, I'm sorry, he made, oh, no, he only made $1.65 million uh, this past season. His high was $3 million. He had a five-year deal of $3 million per that commenced from 2011 through 2016. But this past year, just $1.65 mil. I think he's going to get at least $4 or $5 million. You know, he's the, he's, as far as speed goes, in a speed era, he's the flavor du jour. I think he'll get $4 million anyway. And the Penguins won't want to pay him that and, and won't. You know, you look at what they gave Sherry, $3 million a year. they got to regret doing that. Just got to. Sometimes you spend that money because you think the guy deserves it, but then you got to think before you do it, and certainly after it doesn't matter. But you got to think, okay, this guy might deserve it within the context of what he's done so far. But would the money be better spent on another guy somewhere down the road? For example, what if you could take that three million Sherry's making, plop another million on top of that, and have Grabner? I mean, come on, that's not even a choice. In just a few moments, Bob Nutting talk. He's not nuts. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has one one goal, and that's to get every dollar he can out of this stinking city. 105.9 The X.